Hey, hey, it's Valentine's Day, and so welcome to the Valentine's Day edition of the Vitamin Apollo podcast. Um, this Valentine's Day, I really want to talk about self-love, and I'll tell you why. Um, I recently celebrated one year of realizing that I was trans, which basically a year ago, sometime in February, I'm honestly not 100% sure, but sometime in February, I realized that I was trans. And so, you know, I celebrated it this year when it turned February. I'm just celebrating the whole month as trans month, I guess. Um, you know, there's Pride Month and then I have my own trans month, apparently. And <clears throat> really celebrating that milestone has reminded me of just how much self-love I've learned over the past year and how much I've grown with my trans identity. You know, when I first came out, I really hated myself for being trans. Honestly, it was a really, really hard transition. Pardon the pun. I was looking for any other word, but there truly isn't any other word. Um, You know, I think that people talk about the adjustment that family members and friends and communities have to make when a transgender person comes out and changes pronouns or when anyone changes pronouns. But I think what people really don't think about is that as hard as it is for everybody else, it is four billion times harder for the actual transgender human. Because when I came out as trans, it was true, you know, it was difficult for the people in my life, uh, professors, teachers, whoever, um, family members, everything. It was hard for them to adjust to the fact that I was now a boy. But their confusion, first of all, in my opinion, was not even near the confusion I felt because, you know, I just woke up one day and was suddenly a boy. And that's not exactly something that you can prepare yourself for. And I mean, obviously, that's an exaggeration. There was a build up to it. But it really, really did feel like, um, like it really came out of left field for me, you know? I wasn't expecting it. And not only, you know, did I have to get used to the fact that I now was apparently a boy, but I also had to come to terms with my upbringing as a woman, my socialization as a woman, um, come to terms with my body, with coming, with understanding how this transgender identity had impacted me subconsciously throughout my whole life. I had to essentially acclimate to the fact that I really didn't know who I was after all these years. And, you know, I was, I was 21 when I came out and I had seen myself in a certain light for 21 years. I had been building up this human being, this, this persona, this personality, this fashion, this everything. I had been building up this person that I wanted to be all to realize that that person was going to be an impossibility for me because I was no longer going to be able to go after the things I wanted. My entire closet of feminine clothing was suddenly, you know, instead of inviting and curated, it was triggering and and difficult to look at and shameful. Uh, suddenly my my pride of being a woman was taken over by this shame of knowing that it was a performance or this 
fear that people could tell that I didn't actually think I was a girl. And these are things that I feel like people don't really talk about, you know? And looking back on who I was then and who I am now, where like I'm in love with my transness, I love my trans identity, I love being queer. Truly, truly my queerness is my favorite part of my identity and of my experience as a, as a human. Like I love everything about it. And so, with that being said, with all of those four and a half minutes that you've just now sat there listening to me go on and on about the wonders of being trans, now we're going to talk about self-love. So Valentine's Day, obviously, you know, people talk about like Galentine's Day and Palentine's Day, which is actually, Palentine's Day is a new one. Um, I dig it. I personally feel more like I'm a Galentine kind of person, but I do dig it. So there's already kind of this movement happening of Valentine's Day being turned from something exclusively romantic to something um, a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more personalized, individual. Um, Very often, though, in any case, Valentine's Day is very, very heteronormative in its traditions and its expectations. It's also, you know, it's it's normative in the sense that it's very it's very focused on cisgender, heterosexual, and neuronormative experiences. So that means that you know, uh, trans people, queer people, and those who are neurodivergent in some way often are kind of excluded from the conversation in terms of what you're supposed to do on Valentine's Day. Quotes around the supposed. Therefore. Not all traditions may feel relevant to you. I feel like that's totally fine. Um, I know that there are some traditions that, which I'll get into in a little bit, that I personally would feel uncomfortable with participating in just for various reasons. And like, that's totally fine. In the same way that love is convoluted and nuanced and completely different for every person, so is the celebration of love, I think. So really cherry pick the traditions that you like. Maybe also make note of the ones you don't. Combine traditions if you feel like you're maybe, you know, not quite sitting right with any of them. Um, Some traditions, for example, that I reimagined to make them more inclusive was like instead of, you know, there's there's kind of this fun movie trope of couples having a bath together on Valentine's Day. I'm not 100% sure why that's so romantic, but instead of doing that, if you don't want to, or if you don't have a bathtub, because quite frankly, not a lot of us do, um, you could practice other self-care practices with your partner. So for instance, you could do face masks together or paint your nails, or you could... um, you know, maybe do some intentional, I don't know, art together or something. I don't know. But you get the point. The point being, there's, you know, the idea of the couple bath, but the real reason of it is to build intimacy. And there are other, re- there are other ways to build in- intimacy. Another thing is going out, especially with COVID and other sicknesses. And honestly, just the fact that being around a lot of other people can be really over- overly stimulating. I know it is for me. I apologize for the fact that I'm apparently struggling in speaking English today. Uh, Instead of going out, you could cook together or order in your favorite food. You know, instead of giving gifts, you could 
maybe take each other out for experiences. You know, instead of giving someone a watch, maybe take them whale watching. (laughs) Which, again, cheesy, but you get the point. Which is just that, even with all of the traditions associated with Valentine's Day, you really, really can make it your own. And I encourage you to think outside of the box, preferably more, uh, you know, maybe just better than I just did. Maybe a little bit more accurately. Um, but still, think outside of the box. Um, at the end of the day, everything around Valentine's Day that we expect from Valentine's Day is really just building intimacy, allowing couples space to build intimacy, whatever that looks like for the, the people involved in the relationship or whatever, you know, they think intimacy means to them. Um, it really is just about building intimacy, but I encourage you also, I think a lot of Valentine's Day traditions are really focused around building intimacy with others. And that's great. It's great to build intimacy with your romantic partner. It's great to build intimacy with your friends, but I think it's also really important to build intimacy with yourself. I know I talk to a lot of people who feel uncomfortable talking about their bodies with other people or talk about sex in front of other people or masturbation or, you know, whatever. These these intimate parts of themselves, and that can even go emotionally. You know, they're maybe afraid to show sadness or shame or regret. You know, these feelings that are so, so, so deeply lodged inside of us when we feel them they feel almost like they can't come out because they're too deep and building intimacy spending that time you know not only gets you more comfortable with intimacy sexually the way that we think of typically with yourself but also emotionally feeling capable to handle those emotions and hold space for them because you've really gotten to know yourself So instead of, you know, to make these individualized, to make them more self-focused, reimagining how to take these traditions and suit them to solo experiences is really important. And these are the examples I came up with. Um, Sex is a huge part of Valentine's Day. Obviously, like sales of condoms and um, sex toys and stuff, I assume go up. I haven't actually looked that. I haven't Googled that, so you should. But Um, I feel like a lot of the time people talk about Valentine's Day and they really do think about romance, but they also think about sex, which is fair enough. And so maybe instead of sex, if you don't feel comfortable, um, having a sexual partner in that moment, you can do intentional masturbation. And by that, I mean, instead of just, you know, masturbating to orgasm, really take the time to spend time with your body and get to know your likes and dislikes and treat your own body as you would treat someone that you were, you know, sexually involved with. Um, And really hold space for those emotions instead of just, you know, writing it out until the very end and then you orgasm and that's the end of that. Really allow yourself to enjoy the journey of reaching that high point Uh, And explore the ways that you enjoy getting there. You know, people uh, get turned on by different fetishes, different kinks, different ideas. Really see what um, of those experiences you can give to yourself. You know, and also in the first tradition, I said cook for others. Cook or order for yourself as well. Um, 
you can do that with a partner. You can do that without a partner. Uber Eats doesn't care if you're coupled up or not. Um, and, in, you know, instead of celebrating romance, maybe, celebrate the relationships in your life that bring you happiness. You don't only have to celebrate romantic relationships on Valentine's Day. You can celebrate your friends. You can celebrate your family. You can celebrate all the other kinds of love that are present inside of your life at any given moment. Those loves deserve just as much attention as anything romantic. So, you know, you can also reimagine these experiences to, instead of including a romantic partner, including some other kind of loved one, uh, whoever you feel comfortable spending that time with, and building intimacy with them, and really deepening your connection with someone that you already love, but not in a romantic way necessarily. Um, not everyone has the same relationship with love. As I've said multiple times, you know, love is so nuanced and it's so subjective. And I know on Valentine's Day, the concept of a day devoted to love in any capacity can be quite triggering. You know, there are a lot of people out there who have been hurt by love or have grown to distrust love, who have had loved ones, um, really damage their understanding of what healthy, stable love can be. And going into Valentine's Day, I really wanted to draw attention to that because, you know, there are the memes and the jokes about like, oh, forever alone and all this stuff. But really, Valentine's Day can be triggering for so many different reasons. And I think in the same way that it's important to show yourself love, in all these other ways, it's also important to hold space for yourself if you don't feel capable of having that love right now. So if you feel like a little bit of a Grinch, instead of judging yourself for it or hitting yourself for it or projecting it onto others, take time and sit with it and really think about what it is that, what it is about Valentine's Day that makes you uncomfortable. Because um, ultimately, every feeling of discomfort is really just your your brain, your yourself trying to redirect you, right? Um, whether that is healthy or unhealthy. So if you find yourself feeling a little bit like a Grinch, feeling a little bit like, uh, I'm not really feeling this, maybe sit and just think, what is my brain telling me? What is my, why is my brain having this negative reaction to this holiday? And what can this, what can this show me about parts of me that maybe need a little bit more love and attention, right? Um, love doesn't have one meaning. You should celebrate your own version, as I've said. Um, the example I'm giving of that is Love has really changed its definition for me since I came out as transgender. I feel like, you know, there's that cliche of um, you have to love yourself before someone else can love you. I think that's crap, personally. I think that's crap. But I do think that you can only love... I think... mm, How do I put this? I'm trying to choose my words carefully. I don't think that you have to love yourself to be loved by another person. But I do think that often, not always, because I'm speaking for personal experience, so I cannot make 
a definitive statement. But I think often our ability to love is restricted by the depth of love that we have felt for ourselves. And I do want to say, I think the depth of self-love that you feel, the intensity of that, I think that is directly impacted by the kind of love you were shown growing up, you know, because we learn how to love from the people that loved us first. That's how we initially learn how to love. And then obviously you can do therapy and stuff to unlearn or relearn or whatever. But I do think that you, in many cases, can only love someone else as much as you love yourself in terms of the intensity, the deepness of it, the true, like, transcendent quality of it. I'm hoping I make sense. Um, Again, these are not definitive. This is just personal experience. But when I think of the love that I had before I was trans for myself, but also for the people around me, I really don't feel like it was even close to to the love that I feel now. And I think that's because there was this whole part of me, this whole aspect of me that I hadn't even discovered. I hadn't tapped into at all. I had no idea that this this part of me existed, that this that this hidden part of my soul was, you know, crying out to be seen. And so I feel like because I can access that, because I can access this this very intense part of my existence, I couldn't love other people as deeply as if I could access that. Essentially, I think of it as like, if you have, let's say you have um, a bowl and you take that bowl and in the middle, you put a perfectly placed piece of glass, right? It's a perfect fit and it separates the bowl in half. And now you pour water into the bowl that new piece of glass that you put in the middle is going to stop the water from getting underneath. That doesn't mean that that empty part at the bottom doesn't exist anymore. It just means it's not getting any water in it because it's blocked from that new thing you've introduced. Now, if you take the new glass thing out and it's just the normal bowl again and you pour the water in, now the whole bowl gets filled. I feel like before I was trans, I could love, I was loving as, as deeply and as much as I, as I could and as I knew how, but because there was this block, because there was this piece of glass blocking me from understanding that I was trans, from really knowing myself truly, I couldn't love any deeper than where I was already at. And when I discovered that I was trans and I was able to take away that boundary and that wall, I could love more deeply than I ever thought I could. And that doesn't mean that I'm, that doesn't, first of all, that doesn't mean that I'm at the end of my journey. That has no bearing on where I am in terms of understanding how to love because I'm still young and I'm still figuring it out. And I'm also not saying that the love that I felt then wasn't valid or that you somehow love, um, that somehow your love is inferior or my love was inferior or whatever. I'm just saying that they were, they were two completely different things. And out of the two, I like the one I have better.
again, you can't love incorrectly, but out of the two, I like the one that I have better. And the one that I have now really came from understanding myself and taking that time with myself to build intimacy and allow my my brain to feel more comfortable communicating with me about things uh, and being open with me about the experiences that it had gone through. I, I can hear myself speak and it sounds wild, but um, I, I really don't have any other way to explain it than what I said. Um, also, the way you show love can change. This was just a side note, but to back to the trans thing, Um, back to the trans thing. The way that I show love is also very different. I feel like before, um, before I came out, I really relied on physical touch. I was very physically affectionate. And I feel like now, post coming out, I'm still very physically affectionate, more so than most, I would say. But I really do value language much more. And it probably has something to do with the pronouns and with having to fight for, you know, language recognizing me, whether that be my pronouns or my name or being recognized with gender dysphoria or whatever, I think language has become much more important to me. So like words of affirmation has really become my main love language. I just thought that was interesting, thought I'd throw it in. This is a podcast. I talk about whatever I want. Um, As we grow, also what we want out of love can change. Um, even going so far as, you know, if you grow up and you realize you're aromantic, you don't experience romantic attraction, that is also totally valid. Um, or maybe when you were younger, you wanted a really wild, crazy love. And when you're older, you want something more companionate, something more stable. I feel like that's a really common one. Um, and that's also totally okay. Just depends where you are in that section of your life. I think that as long as love is consensual and mutually beneficial, then there really is no right or wrong. Um, I think, I mean, I say this, I've been saying this for years, but as long as it's not super illegal and you're not hurting yourself or others, I'm probably not going to have that big of an issue with it. Um, You know, I think in a relationship... As long as you're not hurting yourself, you're not hurting other people, it's consensual, um, it's mutually beneficial, then I feel like there really is no right or wrong way to love. I do think it's wrong if you're doing it non-consensually or if you're taking advantage of someone or if it is abusive. I do think that is wrong if there is a power difference, a dynamic that's unhealthy, obviously. However, it's mutually beneficial, consensual, all that good stuff. I think it's probably fine. Um, and you know, finally, Valentine's Day is a human created holiday. It really shouldn't feel restrictive in the same way that everything that is quote unquote man-made, um, should be seen as a soft barrier. I think this should as well. Um, you know, Valentine's Day is a really wonderful holiday, I think, and it's a really wonderful time to express love and it's a, it's a great reminder of how important it is to express gratitude with, um, you know, the our loved ones. And that's all great. But again, it can be triggering and it can be difficult. And I don't want anyone thinking that, you know, if you didn't do X, Y, Z on Valentine's Day, then 
you're an awful person and uh, you have a lame life and all that. Like, no, 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 no. I think that in whatever way you need to celebrate Valentine's Day in, or, you know, in whatever way you don't celebrate Valentine's Day, either way, um, it's a great opportunity to show yourself a little bit of love, build some intimacy with, with yourself, really get to know yourself. Um, and, you know, I'm proud of you. So I hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day and talk to you soon. Bye.